Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and here with me, as always, is this man's best friend. See what I did there? Patch. That's good. I was wondering when that was going to come up because I thought about it briefly and then you brought it in. So I'm glad you did it. Well, we're running out of doggo episodes. So we are. Yes. I was all bring it in, bring it home. Empty (laughs) the bucket of all of the dog puns at this point. (laughs) Right. Empty the bowl. Empty the bowl. I'm going to start forcing them. Watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, continuing on this week in our cinematic exploration of that special bond between human and canine, we are going to be taking a look at a rather underrated piece of the Disney movie collection. But first, an order of business. So we have another promotion this week, Patrick, and this one is for a film that I jumped at the opportunity to have have a chance to talk about on the show and... Uh, get some giveaway copies that we'll mention here in a minute. This one is called Jiu-Jitsu, and I remember very well when this trailer first hit the internet a couple of months ago, and our Feelin' Film Facebook group went just absolutely bonkers for this, because there was something about an alien, and Nicolas Cage, and Tony Jaw and swords, and Jiu-Jitsu, and it was just absolutely bonkers looking and it looked like a lot of fun and you know the ends up when it comes out so this is a movie that does star Nicolas Cage but also martial arts stars Tony Jaw, uh, Elaine Moussi they team up for an action-packed explosive thriller and the premise of this movie is just nutso it's an about an ancient order of expert jujitsu fighters who face their ultimate match in a deadly battle for Earth. Uh, also stars Frank Grillo and Juju Chan. Now, when I watched this, I couldn't help but think immediately, this is Predator plus Mortal Kombat. And that was the quick hit way that I would put this for anybody who might be interested in it. If that sounds appealing to you, then you should check this out. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this one? I did, and I would say I would throw in some Ninja Turtles there for for good measure. I think it's it's got a lot of tribute being paid to it throughout the whole movie, and I think that's really what it has going for it more than anything else is those things that you mentioned. Yeah, it made some Power Rangers. That team-up yeah. concept is what you're going yeah. with, the Ninja yeah. Turtles or Power Rangers, because yeah. it is a group that, that works together. They have different strengths. They take turns at times trying to fend off this ancient evil force thing that's doing a thing for reasons. (laughs) I I honestly don't know why. I mean, it's not about the plot, right? This is the kind of movie that you go to watch for the action scenes. I honestly don't know if it's actual jujitsu or not. Someone asked me that at one point, and I was like, I don't know, man. It's martial arts. I'm going to err on the side of saying that these guys are the experts, and so I'm assuming they're doing the thing that they say they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I would say two things. Watch with friends and watch for Nicolas Cage. Absolutely. Those are two two things I would say are 100%. you got to do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's rated R. It comes from Paramount Pictures, and you can buy or rent it today on digital or on demand. And as I mentioned, we have four copies to give away as well. You can enter those contests on our social media channels. There is one on our main Facebook page posted, and there is one on our Twitter page posted. So... Come, retweet, like, follow, do all those good things, and you'll be entered for a chance to win one of these four copies at the end of the week, which we will contact you directly if you are chosen. Now, before we jump into the main film here that we're going to talk about, Patrick, I wanted to briefly bring up the short film that Disney put out a while back, and I remember extremely enjoying it and what i found was upon revisiting it that it actually stars a boston terrier so i did some googling when i got my puppy and i was like 
Boston Terrier and film. Yes, yes, I did do that. Because I wanted to see what are all of the movies out there that have had Boston Terriers in them. And they don't star in many films. They're just not a breed that is commonly used, apparently. But this short film is about a Boston Terrier. It's called Feast. came out in 2014, and it actually won the Academy Award for short film. It played before Big Hero 6. That was the movie that it was attached to. And it's simply about the love life of a man as told through the meals that he gives his adopted dog named Winston. And I absolutely adore this short film. And I wondered, did you get a chance to, to see it? I did. I didn't watch it recently for the podcast, but when you recommended it to me, you sent me the link. I watched it and absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah, I love it because, you know, it's really about capturing the simple fact that your dog will always want to eat what you're eating. And usually, especially so if it's something that the dog shouldn't have to eat. And with Thanksgiving upon us, and uh, we're about to be in this time where we're eating all kinds of big meals, we're having our own feasts with or without family this year dependent, but our dogs are going to be there and our dogs are going to want to eat those foods. And that was kind of what I was thinking about when I was watching this, how even just having my puppy for a few weeks now, if I'm eating like his attention peaks and he comes to me uh, and, I, and I eat most of my meals in my living room as it is. So I can't really get away from him. He is right there looking to be fed and I love it. And I think that it does a great job of capturing how a dog relates to its master and it is only six minutes long but it shows you how a dog can learn if it's put in a position to observe what its master's behavior is over a period of time because the foods that this dog consumes start to change right it's about the love of food but it's about this dog's love of his human and as his human is embarking on this relationship, his human starts eating differently. So instead of getting junk food and meatballs, he starts getting Brussels sprouts <laughs> and all of these other yummy, delicious vegetables that the new girl brings into the mix. And it's more than just about the dog's belly. And so I think that it's adorable. It's, it plays so fast. And, and just having a Boston Terrier now it connects with me on a very special level. So if you haven't seen it yet, I really hope that people will check this out. It's really, really good. And even if you're not a Boston Terrier owner, I think it really captures that man's best friend mentality. And, you know, when they talk about the saying, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, I think that kind of plays a little bit of a part in here where you see these food choices change and how a dog adapts to those in a way that a human doesn't because he doesn't understand this relationship that his human counterpart has with this other strange person um we get a little bit of that in the art of racing in the rain there's a little bit of dialogue there or monologue there from kevin costner's uh voice but i think watching this it's so much fun to just kind of experience in that six six and a half minutes but it also, as you mentioned, Aaron, captures so much about that perspective of a dog's life. Absolutely does. Absolutely. And be careful what you feed your dog for Thanksgiving. There's lots of little charts out there that tell you what's safe and what's not. So take a look at them before you start putting food off the table. All right. Main movie time, Patrick. We're here to talk about Bolt. So let's talk about Bolt and get started with our one word takeaways. What was yours? Well, this is the first time watch for me. Shocker. This is becoming a pretty big narrative for, for the show and for me. But the word that I picked was unexpected. And I wasn't quite sure if I picked this word for the art of racing in the rain. I think I chose unpredictable. And if I did, great. If not, well, you're just getting a double dose of the same word. But the reason why I picked this one is because of the way that the movie plays out. Not knowing really anything about the plot it was so refreshing to go into it expecting one thing and then expecting something else after seeing another thing and then expecting something again after seeing a third thing. So it kind of just keeps changing and changing 
within like the first 20 minutes and you're like, okay, what's happening here? But it was also really unexpected just how much I enjoyed it. It has a pretty formulaic plot overall, but the way it gets to those story beats, I think is very refreshing and it's typical Disney. It has a little bit of the Pixar punch, even though this isn't officially a Pixar movie by any means. But I think what it brings is this unexpected emotional connection that I have where I got to confess, listeners, I've been kind of lackadaisical when it comes to animated films. I'm not high on a lot of them. I don't get excited about them like the majority of people do. And so when an animated movie comes along, it's going to have to be one that either comes highly recommended by you, Aaron, or something that really captures me in the trailer. And so this felt really refreshing for me. This is kind of how I felt after I watched Onward, you know, where you had this like, oh, gosh, this feels new and different. And I'm excited to be able to talk about it. And I felt the exact same way about this. So unexpected for my reaction to it, as well as how the story plays out. That's great, man. I'm glad. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. My one word takeaway is simply redonkulous. Because I love it when the pigeons say redonkulous in Brooklyn. And the whole movie is redonkulous. I mean, that, that just sums it up perfectly. It's wacky. It's a crazy road trip and adventure. And that's all it tries to be. I mean, yes, it has some themes in there that we'll talk about briefly here, but it's not meant to be a Pixar movie in, in theory. Like it's not meant to hit on the deepest of emotional levels. It's meant to be fun and exciting and entertaining. And especially when we're talking about these movies about pets and dogs specifically, as we have been, it's meant to be a movie that kids can relate to quickly and easily because everybody has that dog or the hamster or the cat and can go, oh, yeah, I see my animal in those animals. And so we watch this and we think about that. We pretend that that's our pets out there. Or it's us with our pets. And what would we do? And how would we act? And so it's just immediately accessible because of that in a way that other stories, fantasy-wise, maybe aren't automatically going to be. So if you have your typical princess movie, it's not immediately relatable to kids because they're not actual princesses. <laughs> and they don't have brothers and sisters who have magic powers. <laughs> but everybody has a dog or a cat or a hamster for the most part. So... Uh, I think that that helps and it's just, it's just fun, man. It is a hoot and the writing makes me laugh and smile throughout. And it's just one big joyous romp across the country. So yeah, redonkulous was mine. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the meat here. Whatever there is, <laughs> we'll be, we'll admit freely. This is a pretty lean episode on deeper content it's more of one of those we watch this for fun and some of these movies th that's kind of like what we're highlighting with this group of films is that they don't always have to be super deep and very dramatic and like leave you with all of these thoughts and feelings that you've got to wrestle with for days and days upon end that's not the only way to quote unquote feel film people if we watch a movie and you enjoy it with your dog sitting there beside you and you're having a blast that is feeling a film, and there is a place for that. Anywho, we are going to talk spoilers, so if you haven't seen Bolt, it's on Disney+, Plus, streaming now, along with the short film that came after it called Super Rhino, based on the hamster. You should definitely watch both uh, and enjoy those. Okay, well, the film opens with a pretty awesome action sequence that introduces us to Bolt and Penny and her spy father, and the evil green-eyed man. First question for you, Patrick, is what did you think about the Bolt TV show, which it's ultimately revealed to be, and the powers that he has? Would you watch it? Did you think it was a good introduction to the characters and story? And what was your reaction to finding out that it wasn't real? Or did you call that right away? Oh, no, I didn't call it at all. Again, unexpected was what I really felt those first few minutes. You get this great moment with Penny picking out her puppy. And Aaron, you know this feeling, seeing that puppy for the first time. That's my puppy. To take it 
back to the feline world for just a second. This is how our cat, Mocha Joe Murphy, who we call Mocha Joe for short, or Mojo, if you're a Friday Night Lights fan, he came from the back of the cage to the front and said, hey, I'm right here. Here I am. Same thing with Savvy. Same thing with Hope. It's just they're attracted to you. You know that's your pet. That's who's going to be imprinting onto you as their mom or dad or whatever it is. And then we shift like five years later and we had this like action James Bond type thing. And I'm like, heck yeah, I can get into this. I'm okay with believing that this dog was like mutated and given these superpowers. And then the curtain gets pulled back even more. And I felt like I was watching the wizard of Oz and the Truman show kind of mashed up at once. I'm like, okay, I see what's happening here. I'm going to just kind of not make any kind of presumptions at this point. What's going to happen? Is it at the end of this movie are we going to pull back the curtain even more and they're going to be on the disney lot and this dog named bolt is actually named like walt or something like that and you know penny is named you know mr miss pixar or something i don't know but watching this opening sequence it really does work if you stayed at that level but it works just as much by pulling the curtain back even more and making me go i probably would have watched a show like bolt this is a saturday morning cartoon i love that it's a tv show that it's not a movie that there are adventures and i love that it pays tribute to things like the truman show things like inspector gadget and those tv shows and movies that i gravitated towards i think that this is an effective way to pay that tribute not suck the bone marrow off of those and try to steal but to point enough to it that you're saying, look, we're not trying to be new and different. We're trying to be refreshing here. And I think that Bolt as a whole story is sort of a meta version of that. This feels a little bit like Toy Story. You know, this character, this dog that realizes he's not who he says he is and has to kind of adjust to that. It's totally fine because you've got these other elements about being a dog and about being a dog owner that you can absolutely relate to. So it doesn't have to be different. It's just a new way of looking at it, which I think works as effectively as other things. Yeah, definitely. You know, I hadn't seen this since it came out in 2008. And I'll be honest, I had forgotten the twist as it was that was coming. And my daughter was having a blast watching me react in real time because I bought it hook, line and sinker all over again. I remembered that there was a funny hamster. I remembered that they went on a cross country trip. But I didn't remember why, and I certainly had forgotten that Bolt was not actually superpowered. And so I was freaking out the whole time. I was like, just like, oh my gosh, this dog has like superpowers, and he headbutted a car and it flipped over. And you know, I'd been watching Smallville recently, rewatching that, and so I kept comparing Bolt's powers to Superman and other various superheroes. I just got done playing through the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game in which Miles Morales' powers are this bioelectricity venom, is what it's called. And Bolt had this same sort of ability. And I was just like, this is wild. This is amazing. This dog is incredible. He has laser eyes. You know, and we get to see him do his super bark. And that's when it started to hit me at that very moment, right when that reveal is coming, where he wipes out this whole mass of army of people that are coming at him. And you realize, oh, this is going to be like toy soldiers or you know little figurines and sure enough it is so i bought it and i thought it was incredible and you know what i'm here i'm tuning in thursdays at 8 p.m for this like clockwork man this was awesome i wish this had honestly been some sort of a series and you know i think if this idea had come about in 2020 it's very likely this would have been that on Disney Plus. We would have gotten a 10 episode or 8 episode limited series of some kind. But, like, I would watch The Adventures of Bolt, you know, it, if he was actually superpowered. Uh, and it just, it was really, really exciting. I also had a little bit of a annoyance at the very beginning of the movie because when Penny comes to pick him up, it's that cute, amazing scene like you're talking about where you're like bonding and you're imprinting on the dog and the dog's imprinting on you and all that. But she comes with a pre-made collar 
and a name tag that says Bolt. And that bothered me because who names their dog without meeting them, Patrick? Probably a girl who is going to be a TV star later. I don't know. I'm I'm stretching it. I know because I know she was younger and she probably didn't know she was going to be on a TV show called Bolt. But yeah, I kind of looked at that and said, no, I don't think so. I think it was just for theatrical effect. Yeah, that part bothered me because I was just like, no, you, you name your dog based on the dog's personality or, you know, fandom, I guess, or something. But like, you need to see the dog first. Like the dog has, there has to be something, some reason to name it that way. I don't know. It just, it just, I was like, come on. I don't know. It, what if you got there and he didn't look like a bolt or didn't feel like a bolt? And then you're stuck. Or a Gimli or a Gimli. No, but Gimli was a he was red he was red so he was didn't act like a gimli what if he didn't act like a gimli what do you mean what if he acted like a legolas and i had to rename him yeah because he looks like an elf no anyway i love the opening and i honestly kind of missed the fact that there weren't more superpowers like that it once it's condensed in the opening i was like man i wish we could have gotten more of that well, let me just say this, that I love the superpowers that we got. I mean, there's some creativity behind some of those. The laser eyes I got, whatever. But the fact that he has a super bark, I think that's fantastic. I love the fact that he has super strength. In fact, the reveal of all those different superpowers really, really made me smile. I was like, I want this dog for myself, or at least I want to go to the science lab where this dog was created and send one of my dogs out there because I need at least one super dog in my family. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that scene where he's holding the car by his jaws over the edge of the bridge and stuff. You're just like, goodness gracious, this dog is so strong. That's great. Well, my kids jokingly call Bolt dumb. And they and and they kept saying dumb over and over. And I was like, you guys are me. But they said that he was dumb because he was duped by the production people into believing that he actually had powers. So... How did learning that Bolt had been lied to his whole life and made to believe that he was something that he isn't actually make you feel? Did that affect you at all? I don't think it affected me more than it just kind of gave Penny more agency to take care of him. Because I think what it did indirectly was it created an opportunity for us to see that Bolt didn't need superpowers to be loved by Penny. And when you have that kind of relationship, I think that's what the movie was accenting was the fact that not that he was dumb, but that he was misinformed. I mean, his whole world was her and the world of the TV show. So it made complete sense. I mean, take the Truman Show. That's a, quote, real life version of what we see in Bolt. But we choose to believe that because of the fact that that's all he ever knew. I don't think it's dumb as much as it's just more misinformed and yeah, misinformation can lead to a lot of like crazy truth, as we have seen in recent months. And when you look at the way in which he reacts to it, I don't think that it makes him any less informed more so than any other person would be. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a great line where one of the executives says, if the dog believes it, the audience believes it. And it made me think about the concept that we put forth to ourselves as humans all the time of just believe it and you can convince yourself of anything essentially. You know, you just got to believe in it and you can be whatever you want. And that sort of is what is happening here. They're con- only they're convincing Bolt and they're doing so in a way that makes his life fake but it's also pretty fantastic i mean he's taken care of he's loved he is a bona fide star and i did get some real sympathy for him when he was when it was revealed to him and he finally learned that he wasn't what he thought he was and you know it kind of hurt me watching the cats again always with the freaking evil cats being bullies and messing with him and taking advantage of him, manipulating him throughout the movie because of his naivety around what he thought he was. And that kind of bothered me because, you know, I when people you love tell you something, you tend to believe them. 
And you don't want to think that that could possibly be untrue, that you could be lied to by someone that supposedly cares about you. And so I wondered, you know, do you think that there's ever a right time to trick someone into believing something? Does this movie show us that maybe it's okay at times? Well, there's an argument to be made on the studio side, and I'll just go ahead and make that. I think that later in the film, when Penny needs to get back to work and they found a replacement dog for her, she is adamant about, no, I want Bolt. And I think it's the studio exec that says, listen, this show is not just you and the dog. There are people that work to put food on the table. And if the show goes under, they lose their jobs. And so at that point, I kind of had a little bit of sympathy for the studio because the fact is, yes, humanity, doganity, canineanity, whatever we're going to call it, is a thing and it's legit. But so is being kind of a professional to your job, being loyal to what you're doing. And when you make a personal choice, whether it be morally right or wrong and whether I agree with it or not, the fact is you are actually causing some rift some places. And so I think for the sake of not knowing that you can talk to a dog like a human talks to a human, you got to kind of make assumptions. And if they assume that the dog's not going to understand every single thing that they say, that he has to be trained, they're going to go on the assumption that the less information that he has, the more authentic his behavior is going to be. Just like when I look at my dog and she gets between my wife and myself and the door, if there's somebody knocking on it, can't train that out of her because it's just what she knows. And so do we tell her, hey, it's okay, it's just the neighbor? We do, but she probably doesn't understand that. But even if she did understand that, it would probably take a lot of training and coaching to make her realize that knocks on the door don't necessarily mean bad things. So to answer your question, I don't think it's wrong necessarily from a business standpoint and for the fact that Bolt is playing a role. The fact that he cannot be persuaded and controlled like a human being can, I think, gives the studio validity in being able to keep things in the dark from him. Yeah, they specifically do say, they say that if we don't get back in production, people are going to lose their jobs. It, there's more riding on this than just Bolt. There's more riding on this than just Penny. There are dozens of people who rely on this TV show as a means of income and if this one dog isn't there, if one actor doesn't pull their weight, so they're all going to lose their jobs because of that. And it does present a really interesting dilemma to consider and to think about. And of course, you know, we wouldn't be in the same exact position if it was a human because a human would know they were an actor and not be manipulated and, and tricked into a certain thing. But, it works. It works here. And I think that it's just subtle enough to get you to not necessarily side fully with Bolt and Penny, which is surprising because that's where naturally our hearts would want to take us. They'd want to be all soft and gooey and be like, no, care about the dog. But they do make some good points, I think. Um, and, you know, every choice has consequences. Penny wants to take Bolt home and just have him be her dog. But there are going to be ramifications to that, just like there would be ramifications to keeping Bolt on and allowing him to continue being duped in order to get the best performances out of him. And and they show that it does work, right? The, the reason the show is so believable is because Bolt freaks out when he thinks Penny's getting kidnapped because he thinks it's real and he's going to go and save her. Would he be able to quote unquote act that way? Probably not because he's a dog, right? That's the thinking here. Um, and so I really like the setup and the way that that all plays out. Once they get on the road, Bolt makes friends and as any good Disney Pixar movie would be, multiple new animals come into play with varying personalities that will cause lots of um, interesting dialogue and shenanigans. He meets Mittens the kitten, or cat, I guess, and he meets Rhino the hamster in his ball. So from your standpoint, how did you feel about those two characters and their backstories? And then, you know, how they helped Bolt 
to grow into this new identity of being just a normal dog. Yeah, both of them, I think, really do provide balance for him. It's kind of the devil angel perspective that that I see. You have on one side, you have Rhino, who is uberly optimistic, believes the hype of Bolt is just as naive, but more to a fault. Like he just thinks that everything on television is real as if it really is, just like we believe that everything on the internet is true, that kind of mentality. And then on the opposite side of that, we have Mittens, who is very much a realist, very much a pessimist when it comes to things. And it takes both of them to really allow him to come to grips with the fact that he's not who he thinks he is and that that's okay. And so on one end, you have Rhino, who is encouraging him to use the powers of the idea of Bolt. (laughs) And then you have Mittens, who reminds him that being a dog is not about superheroics, that it's about something else. Not only do they add those kinds of elements, but I think they also add this really fantastic comic relief. I love the fact that Rhino is in his hamster we- hamster ball like more than like half the time that he's on screen. I think it's absolutely amazing. Had a hamster, had a ball. Hamster would just roll all over the house. And there were times when I'm like, this feels like a moment in Uncharted where he's using his his ball to hold up <laughs> the the door it's just so good. And when you watch them interact with Bolt, I think it just rounds out that trio. It reminded me a lot of Cars with Sally and Mater being alongside Lightning McQueen on his journey to kind of discover more about who he is beyond just being a race car. And uh, yeah, I loved it. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned Cars because this film was actually surprisingly written by Dan Fogelman, also the writer of Cars. And the writer of things that we love, such as Crazy Stupid Love. Yes. And This Is Us. So uh, (laughs) great writer, love all of his stuff, and was a little bit shocked when I found out that he was the brainchild behind this. One of many, I'm sure, uh, in that Disney powerhouse at the time. I know John Lasseter was involved in this one as well. But the idea of like that identity and a character learning and, and accepting a new one. I love it too. And I love the way that Mittens is slowly revealed to go from being this powerhouse mobster cat who rules the fear of claws that she doesn't actually have um, over the pigeons in the area. So it's like this something rolling downhill kind of concept where there's this hierarchy. And so she's taking advantage of them in order to not being taken advantage of her or being taken advantage of herself and the backstories for her is a fairly tragic one talks about how she's scared of the pound because humans only pick the cute ones and the rest of them never come out i was like man that's dark <laughs> like that's some serious dark stuff but it's true it's really true like if you go into an animal shelter People come out with a pet and that's wonderful, but you have to be real and admit that like they're not all getting adopted, Patrick. Some of them are going to eventually be put down. And that's scary to hear coming out of a pet's mouth, even if it's an animated one. And then obviously, like you said, Rhino being the completely crazy, just nutso, energetic super fan that he is. He's great, man. He provides so much of the comedy and so many of the great lines. Uh, When he first gets met and he rolls up and he gets out of his ball and he cackles and he goes, ring, ring. Who is it? Destiny. I've been expecting your call. And like, he just, he just, he goes on and on and on. And, you know, he has a bolt tattoo. He is always encouraging a bolt. I think that's the thing that I love most about his character is he's hilarious, but in the midst of him being hilarious, he gives these great encouraging speeches to him. Like he tells him that it's because of all of his great accomplishments. He's like, you can do this. You can bolt because all over this planet, there are animals who feel like they can't. 
like a little hamster who once spent his days in an RV park, dreaming of the day when he too would save a little girl from danger and be told, you did it, you did it, Rhino, you saved the day. They needed a hero bolt, someone who no matter what the odds will do what's right. They need a hero to tell them that sometimes the impossible can be come possible if you're awesome. And I love that because he's letting Bolt know that there is value in what he did, whether he knew it was real or not, and that he should be proud of that. And then, then it doesn't matter whether he still has that or not, because the inspiration that he provided for them while he was doesn't go away. Um, I love it, man. I, I like that he talks to Bolt about abandoning a friend in a time of need. He says, never do that, right? I'm never going to leave your side. Like That's not how it goes. When your teammate's in trouble, you go. Whether they ask or not, you go. Not knowing if you come back dead or alive. Again, kind of dark. He's like, you go. And he, can, he, he keeps descending. It makes it funny. He's like, knowing how deep the shrapnel is going to pierce your hide, you go. But anyway, um, you know, he is teaching Bolt these lessons. And at the same time, Mittens is too, because Mittens goes through this whole experience where she's up in a tree and she's revealing to him and telling him point blank, no, what you know to be, it's like the matrix, right? She's like pulling him out and showing him the real world. And then it scares him to the point where he ends up getting captured and she feels like she's responsible for that. And so she has to go after him and save him. And I'll tell you, man, I just thought that this was a really great mix and trio of characters. I thought that they fit so well together. And I think that Disney did a fantastic job in this particular film of keeping it tight and confined and not bringing in too many side characters. And, you know, there's another version of this that we've seen multiple times where you would have to meet like one of five or six different kinds of animals to try and check off the boxes of like, oh yeah, we got a rabbit or, oh yeah, we, we met a horse that talks, you know, but they don't do that. You know, it's really specific here. And I think that it's better for that because you get more time with those three characters. And in the end, Bolt realizes that it's not just about him. Like his identity is also in his friendship and in the people around him that he loves and that love him. So this is the quintessential anti-hero, not anti-hero like Wolverine, but this is what a hero wouldn't seek out is friendships. I mean, unless you're the Justice League, I guess. But when you look at Bolt, he is enhanced by what's already in him, but also the relationships that he has with Rhino, with Mittens, with Penny. And those relationships elevate him as a character and his purpose beyond just what he brings to a studio. And you're right. I think both Mittens and Rhino bring that out of him in ways that are both familiar and also pretty refreshing because we don't have that complicated by other side characters that are coming in to kind of distract and provide comic relief. Both of them do so in their own way. I think it's when you have a trio as opposed to an ensemble, the more characters you get, obviously, You've got to find purpose for all of them. Otherwise, they just feel wasted. That's the one thing I like about – one of the things I like about good storytelling is when you give purpose and agency to every character, when they're not just there to fill a canvas in case of animation or fill out a composition or be a token whatever in a movie, you have a reason for them to be there that doesn't necessarily have to be emotionally connective. But it's important to the main story and the main characters. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely on the money there. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, they just have such real emotions to me, these animals. Like when Mittens makes her little box home for them all and wants to stay together when they make it across the country to Las Vegas. And she's like, I don't want you to go back to Penny. And she tries to explain to him she because she's speaking from her own experience, too. Right. They're interacting with each other based on what they know of human interactions. So Mitten says that's what they do. They act like they love you. They act like they'll be there forever. And then one day they'll pack up all their stuff and they'll move away and they'll take their love with them. Gosh, that was crushing to listen to. 
um, and they'll leave their declawed cat behind to fend for herself. They leave her wondering what she did wrong. And I was, I was about in tears because I was thinking about like pets that go through this, right? And this is, these are real issues that are coming out in this animated comedy. But Mittens is a character who is, you know, a cipher for actual cats that this happens to. People declaw them and then leave them and have, they have no ability to actually live out in the wild and defend themselves or to find food because they can't catch it. Right. And so it was really sad because when she met someone that she felt connected to, she didn't want them to leave. She just wanted to hold on to them forever. And we're obviously pulled as a viewer because like Bolt, we now have both sides of this picture. We have Bolt's relationship with Mittens and Rhino and understand the importance of that, but we understand the importance of his relationship with Penny as well, which is something Mittens can't understand at the time because she hasn't experienced that. And it just went to remind me of like how easy it is to project what someone else should or shouldn't do based on what we know. And this happens all the time in life, in human life, where we are going to tell our friends, well, no, this is how it should go for you. Because I'm speaking because this is how it went for me. But I don't have necessarily all of the sides of the story. And your relationships are different than my relationships. And so it reminded me of that. Uh, and, I, and I love that it has a happy ending, you know? Um, there's a great line at the end of this where... Someone says, she's your person, Bolt, and you are her dog. And it wasn't until I got Gimli that I had ever been called a person, Patrick. And my daughter was using that term. And I was like, well, I don't know. What am I? Am I like his owner or his master? And it's funny because up until now, I would always go with the word owner. I would have been like, yeah, I'm a dog owner. And for some reason, it feels weird to me to say that now. Like, I don't like that word. I don't feel like I own him. I do feel like his person. You know, I feel like it's a relationship of some sort. And it's, there's an equal parts there of love that we give each other. Not that he's a thing, this, this item that just is under my beck and call. Um, and I think that Bolt captures that really well. I think he does too, in a way that being called someone's human, someone's person brings that equality to the relationship because we look at those relationships with our dog specifically and we attach human characters to them, characteristics to them. You can argue that we do that with cats, but the phrase dogs have owners, pets have, or cats have staff kind of accentuates the fact that we look at our relationships with dogs and cats differently that in a lot of ways we don't train cats to sit. We don't train cats to go fetch. Well, okay. I say in general, we don't, there might be people out there that do that and that's totally cool. Send me a YouTube video. I'd love to see that. But when we think about dogs, we think about more interactivity with them. We think about more social interaction that is tangible beyond just petting and scratching and things like that. So when you take a relationship with the dog and go beyond master pet into an equal kind of relationship, it does really personify the importance of that relationship and how, as dog owners, we understand how we're able to articulate that in a way that other people can get. I absolutely love that phrasing, that phrase, to be a dog's person. <laughs> And to be a person's dog, because it does create that mutuality, and it's completely spot on. Well, with that, I think it's time for Connected Points, and we have mostly the same one with a little bit of an extra flair for your side. So I'm going to let you go first and share what your connecting point slash our connecting point was, and also what that other thing that you love so much was. <laughs> well, I think for both of us, it would have to be Bolt becoming a normal dog. And it's a montage. I'm going to always gravitate towards a montage, especially if it takes place in high school. This did not, by the way, but it's a good montage. 
And point blank, Aaron, what we see is familiarity with being a dog, the love of going and playing fetch and being able to do these, what we would call normal dog things. But for someone like Bolt, who sees this as odd at first, comes to grips with the fact that this isn't just something that he has to do. It's something that he actually enjoys doing, that he has not tapped into that being a dog, being a person's dog. And of course, it culminates with this, I guess it's, I'll call it a a mobile home ride, a train ride, whatever it is. I can't remember what it is. But Mittens encourages him to stick his head out the window and stick his tongue out of his mouth and experience what it's like to be a dog in that moment, which being around town when the weather's nice, I see so many dogs sticking their head out the window of so many different trucks in my city. And it's it's wonderful uh, for, for my dogs. I have them do that. Well, at least for one of them, because I know that she's not going to jump out of the car. The big thing for me, though, Aaron, is the fact that this is all encouraged by mittens. And this is something we don't see a lot. We don't see a cat encouraging a dog to be a dog if it doesn't have something good coming for the cat. And I love that kind of depiction because as you joke, it seems like cats are always evil. And there might be some merit to that in a satirical way, but I think it's so cool that Bolt's journey to becoming a dog, a human's dog or a person's dog starts with her encouraging him and reminding him that this is good. This is a good thing. And when it rounds out to that one moment, it really does make me smile and make me feel really good. Something else that makes me feel really good is my 1A connecting point, And that would be the Hollywood pigeons. I think that's probably my favorite scene where <laughs> you have these three pigeons who are pitching an idea to him it's like hey this is great here's our guy he's gonna he's gonna sell you on this he's a great he's, he's a great seller and he just goes aliens it's such a fantastic scene i just wanted to bottle that up and keep replaying it so that was my one and one a yeah both of the pigeon scenes i yes. think were awesome the brooklyn yeah. pigeons are phenomenal as well just cracked me up had me rolling but yeah both sets are just so funny but yeah, to the point of the connecting point here, I, I like that it, what I wrote as the starting point for it for me is Bolt saying, Mittens, if I don't chase bad guys, then what am I? And that very real dilemma that we all face of like identity, like what is my identity going to be in? And Mittens responds and what she actually says, I loved and it, it is at the heart of what you were talking about um, and what she intended with her words. And she says, being a, being a regular dog is like the greatest gig in the world, okay? Look, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, a little known cat secret. You know why we hate dogs? Because we want to be dogs. We have dog complexes. And that was so silly and so completely probably not true, but so sweet in the way that it is conveyed to him and so powerful and meaningful to him. And I love that. I love the relationship that we saw building from them. And, you know, this movie stars the voice talents of Miley Cyrus. So it has a Miley Cyrus original song and it was in Miley Cyrus's heyday and Disney days of Hannah Montana. And I like the lyrics in the song too, because the, chorus of the song goes there is no home like the one you've got because that one belongs to you and it fits perfectly with the themes that are being explored here like they're on the road and they're together that's his home right now and it's and that's okay because he's with them it's very much a home is where the heart is kind of idea but it's given to us in such a fun montage like you said where she's teaching him how to play with other dogs which is hilarious and teaching him how to play fetch like you said chase a ball um, and then i love the one with the window too i'm still waiting on that moment myself gimli is a little small today for the first time on the way to the vet he got my lap and he was like looking out the window he did 
kind of put his paws up on the edge of the window while we were parked at the coffee stand today um, so that the barista could ooh and ah and go gaga over him because they tend to do that when they see his little cute face. But he hasn't quite gotten the whole wind experience yet. He's still a little guy. I'm afraid the wind will just like whip him out the window <laughs> and down the road. I don't want that. That's a whole different type of movie. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great, man. And just the way in which it shows where your identity should be and where it shouldn't and what matters and what doesn't matter. And it does so in such a joyful, hopeful, sweet and, you know, tender way. Uh, it's great. Cosign all of that. Well, that wraps up another episode of Feelin' Film and our tribute to Man's Best Friend. Over the next couple of weeks, to coincide with our excitement about basketball heating up, we will be covering two favorites of ours, 2020's The Way Back and the basketball classic Hoosiers. Next week, we'll also bring with it our November donor pick as well as some fun bonus content. With it being the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S., we would be remiss if we didn't thank you for all that you do to support the show, from the conversations in our amazing Facebook group to the contributions from our fantastic donors. And more than anything, we are grateful that you listen to us. <laughs> it still blows our minds that we have an audience three plus years into this thing, and uh, we're just really amazed. Be safe this week and enjoy your Thanksgiving wherever and whoever you are with. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, my friend, and we'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.